0: I'm Alyssa. I'm Alyssa. And I am not Alyssa. And welcome to Fifty Two Women, the a- official podcast of the Montgomery County, Maryland chapter of the National Organization for Women. Um. So fun thing that happened this week. because um, the news sucks, so everything's awful. But <laughs> um, like everything's bad. Um, in case you've had your. Your head in the sand watching the Crown like I have, but um, I got myself
1: banned. Everything's ba- bad. I, I actually
0: had my head in the sand watching The West Wing. Yeah. So right, different different kinds <laughs> of different different kinds of ignoring reality. <laughs> um, uh, I got myself banned on Facebook because uh, apparently, if you say men are trash on Facebook, they will ban you for it, and it's not like like. Like, Facebook is banning me. Like, um, I was actually commenting on a Wong Ket article that was discussing Facebook will yell at you if you say men are trash, because apparently it falls under hate speech, because you're you're saying something bad about a particular gender. Um, And there are people who sit on Facebook, conservative trolls, who Google, or who like search for phrases, and they can like, report you for hate speech, and I got myself banned for a few hours. So that's a fun thing that happens. So what um, happens
1: when you get banned? I, like, I saw your screenshot,
0: but what... So... Made- okay, so I don't know what ha- what would happen if you're on a computer. I was on my phone. And I... Went to log in. I went to open my app, and it said, you know, your session has expired, blah, 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 which happens sometimes, and sometimes you have to log back in if you update your phone or whatever. Um, So I went to do that, and it wouldn't let me in. And it just, it wouldn't let me in. I was like, ooh, crap, I got hacked. Let me change my password real fast, because you never know. You never know. Right. Um, So I changed my password, and I I couldn't log in. I, you know, went, I put the updated password in. I just, I, it wouldn't let me, like, I could type in the info. And then when I hit enter, it just refreshed and wanted me to type in the info again. So I put in my old password and it said, like, uh, credentials don't match or something like that. So, like, it was, it, so there was a signal to me that, like, something was wrong. So I actually, like, went to my Safari browser And I typed in, like, Facebook.com and tried to log in that way. And that's when I got the message that said, like, um, your account has been temporarily disabled, blah, blah, blah. And then you have to hit OK. And then it gave me the message that I posted on Facebook that said, basically, like, our community guidelines don't let you engage in hate speech. And there's a list of things that, you know, are protected classes one of them was gender. And men, and men are a protected class? Gender. Gender is a protected class. Um, which is funny because <laughs> I'm pretty sure there are plenty of people, like, threatening rape or death or all of that to women. Oh, and yeah. and as as EB1 pointed out, like, rape threats are totally okay, but we can't say men are trash.
1: Yeah. How are, entire groups are men, dedicated. just men in general, a protected class? It's ridiculous.
2: Not real. What were we going to say?
1: Separate. They should separate gender. I was just
2: gonna say there are entire groups like <laughs> dedicated to exploiting women. And I mean like look what happened with the Marines. I think it was the Marines. There's an entire group of Marines who like post revenge porn pictures. That's right. That's right, totally
0: okay. Yeah. Yeah, totally oh, okay. Oh, I have a
1: question, not that this makes it right, but I have a question about that because I don't know about that story. Was that a private group? Like a... Yes. Like one you had to join? It was a closed so group So if you had said in a private group, if you had men are trash in a private
0: group, would that have been allowed? So uh, the important thing to know is that it's not Facebook that um, that sees those words and automatically disables you. It's, okay. It's someone has to report you. So like Alyssa's saying, if there's a closed group, Facebook isn't going to go into that closed group. Cl- Facebook isn't monitoring closed groups and reporting them, which is how you have revenge porn groups and you have white supremacist groups and you have all that that exists because no one in that group is going to report somebody unless, like, you manage to get in on a whim. So, like, I made a public comment on a page on on Cat's Facebook. You know, I commented on the article. And that's uh-huh. how, that's how it got... You know, so someone reported it, and that's how it got banned. So there's just,
1: there are just people sitting around with nothing better to do than report people for saying men are trash on Facebook.
0: Is that what I'm talking Well, men or scum are scum also, is also on that list, but yes.
2: <laughs> I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I've opened the comments for, like, an article, something relating to women or feminism or whatever, and all the comments are, go back to the kitchen, make me a sandwich,
0: you dumb cunt.
2: Hope you get raped. Fuck you. Blah, blah, blah.
0: Do you, and I have a question. Have you ever reported one of those comments? Because I never have. I have sometimes. Because I assume, like, oh, someone's checking this out. Like, apparently yeah. I'm going to have to start reporting that. I
2: mean, it doesn't do anything.
0: Yeah. I mean, I That'll feel like feel it doesn't. Better. I
2: have reported <laughs> them, but that, but there's, like, no point.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, in, I don't know if it's the same article. I can't remember that you're talking about. But one article I read about this um, said something like, uh, die the n word. Yeah, not same article. Hate, not hate. Not hate speech. Enough.
0: Same article. Like <laughs> that makes zero sense. Mm And they gave they gave other examples in the article of things that you would think like would fall under this list. And yeah, no, men are trash. Apparently, that's. It's
1: really interesting because Facebook. Well, two things interest me. One is that Facebook tries to pretend like it's just a social, like it's just a platform for other people's words.
0: Yeah.
1: But then it, like, pays attention to what I'm, what shopping I'm doing. So it can pop ads up to me on the side. And it, like, it has so much advanced coding in there to, or I don't know if coding is the right word, algorithm that... The algorithm, I mean, you guys know. Yeah, same talk. thing. What is an algorithm? Okay. Yeah, same
0: thing. Okay. You got it.
1: Um, like, that—that that is so complicated, and it pushes stories to me that it thinks I'll be interested, and it pushes all this stuff. So it's not really just a place for people to exchange ideas, um, like uh, like as if they're sitting in a virtual park yelling at each other across the way from their benches. It's, it's an actual place where they use that information to advertise to you, to tell people that they should pay them money to advertise things to you. I, I just don't understand how they can know that I'm shopping at J. Crew or Nordstrom and they can put up the exact thing I was looking at, that they can't weed out the word cunt.
0: Yeah. No, I... I yeah, I mean... Well, the same
2: th- thing on Twitter. Twitter gets way more flack for this than Facebook. But people report stuff to Twitter all the time, and it's just like totally ignored
1: yeah why well, I, I mean I I like I do the bad thing on Twitter where I only follow people who I agree with so I like barely get anything that isn't in my bubble
0: <laughs> Jen Kirkman but I I know. Yeah, yeah. Jen girl like I follow Jen Kirkman and sometimes I'll read the comments and I'm like, "Ooh, like yeah. really?" Yeah.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. I never read the comments. She's no. she's <laughs> my favorite comedian and and she goes on crusades against this on Twitter all the time. She'll retweet stuff where people are like calling her out and and saying horrible things about her, specifically like threats against her against women, like lots of especially female comedians. Um, get a lot of shit on Twitter, but, like, women in general, and, like, people will, re- like, straight up say, I'm gonna rape you, or I hope you get raped, or I hope you get killed, I hope you die. I've seen that, and i like, they'll, at least Jen Kirkman, because I, I follow her, um, she'll say that she reports it all the time, and it, nothing happens.
1: Yeah.
2: And that's the, like... Well, I know, like, I
1: mean, I know they, like, people have gone after them for not censoring
0: Trump. Right, He like, says crazy shit. He says, he says crazy shit. He says crazy sh-
2: Well, I mean, when he says crazy shit about, like, a specific journalist, that's awful. But, like, if you just say crazy shit in general, it's not the same as, like, a direct threat against a specific person. No, no, yeah, been... no, I
1: think that... I, right, you're... I think you're absolutely right. I, I think it's more... I think it was specifically... Last
2: week when he went after. Yeah, the journalist. You, so, uh, well, he's been, yeah. Uh, he's on it before, too. Like Katie Turr. Yeah. yeah,
0: but the thing with that is, like, I feel like I read some think piece, or maybe it was some internet comment, which is the same thing, really. But talking about how him, like, there's got to be some difference between him saying crazy shit and, like, me saying crazy shit, right? Like, Oh, yeah. Like, that's the thing that, like people or and I agree with this go on Twitter for being like um, irresponsible with him like you're giving him a platform and like he's not just some right-wing nut job so that's a whole other thing but yeah there was also an article I read today about how um, some former executives of Facebook were basically like like you're being socially engineered like that's what these platforms are doing they're so it's the, social engineering. We don't know how to engage in civil discourse. Like, there's now misinformation. Like, it's this whole thing that's scary that made me want to turn my computer off. But... Yeah. Um, I'm. Th- I,
1: yeah. So, well, the stuff you guys were talking about, and, like, the stuff Stevie One just said about Jen Kirkman, I, I remember reading a while ago, there's a woman named Emily Crockett, who's a um, journalist. And her fiancé, husband... I'm not sure if they're married yet or not, but, um, his name is Dante Atkins and he is a, um, communications guy in the house. I don't know who, which congressman is, but anyway, um, he was one, he once wrote like a whole tweet thread, it was a really long time ago, so I don't think I can find it, but about sitting next to her and reading her, the comments on her tweets and her articles.
2: Oh, I read
1: that. How, yeah, like how she told, like she told him, and it wasn't that he didn't believe her. Like, of course he believed her, but to sit next to her and read them, and like be holding her hand and looking at her and reading these terrible things, rape threats and people calling her horrible names and all this stuff, that it was like life changing for him to be next to her reading those while it was, you know, while it was happening live.
0: I mean it 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 kinda it it kinda ties back to the Me Too hashtag in a way. Like like it's not that that men don't believe us, it's like they don't comprehend the the gravity of it or the amount I don't know. Like I feel like I
1: think they can't empathize and they can't like if someone says to you and you're not a woman. You've never experienced it. And I don't think this is right. I think men should have more empathy for this. But someone says to you when you've never experienced it, oh, I get rape threats every day. Yeah. I think it's possible to think that's an exaggeration until hmm. you're sitting next to someone you're like, holy shit, you get
0: rape threats every day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> holy shit, that partner, guy just said he was going to kill you. When you say it. But, <laughs> but. Actually, the
2: Guardian newspaper put out uh video. I think it was like a year or two ago. Uh, So the top 10 journalists with the most negative comments and like direct threats said against them on their articles. um, I think all but one or one or two were women and then the um, two men were I think they were both black but they were definitely um, men of color. Um, So like obvious that those kind of oh, so was, that the,
1: was that the one where they had the guys reading them out
2: loud. I think so.
1: Yeah, that was. I know really Jessica. I remember that. I remember watching that, and it was like they had these guys reading the comments to the women under their articles.
2: Yeah, I th- yeah.
1: And it was like they were like the guys were starting to cry, and then one of them was like, "I can't say this to you." Yeah, I'm pretty
2: I sure. And they weren't the ones who written them; they were just random dudes. Yeah, reading. I know Jessica Valenti. Um, oh yeah, I like her. Feminist writer um, and scholar. She also is a contributor for the Guardian. She gets the most hateful comments out of any of their contributors. Yeah.
1: Well, I was, um, I was saying before we started that Aaron um, Ryan. Who's, um, who I follow on Twitter, had posted a picture of cupcakes she had made, and she she um, screenshotted some tweets she got back from a man uh, because she just wanted to demonstrate what a regular day on Twitter was like for her. <laughs> um, she, put, she posted a picture of cupcakes she had made and, like, said where she got the recipe. I don't, anyway... Um, A guy, uh, uh, the sophomoric, snarky, Markle, Ivanka-style articles are acceptable during this internship phase at a lightweight publication like the Daily Beast, but they'll they'll be unbecoming and downright unacceptable once you graduate and get a real journalism gig. So he starts by, first of all, who cares about what you think about her post on the cupcake, and also talking to her like she's dumb. Then, like, within a minute, he had, oh, no, sorry, within a half an hour, he has um, DM'd her. All that said, you're very sexy. And then another DM, I mean, I just picked your name into the YouTube search field, and one of the completes added the word hot, and another added the word leg. So just that, uh, like, I don't know that we always do the right things, and it kind of reminded me just you getting... <laughs> Fans from Facebook, all this stuff kind of like melds into one somehow in my brain. But Chelsea um, Yarbrough at our um, Rico Wright, uh panel was talking about how laws are great as long as they're enforced.
0: Yeah. yeah. But it's
1: not really. It, 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 they're they're only as great as they can be. Like they're not. They have to be enforced in order to work and to actually do anything. And this kind of made me think of that. Like, this woman's being harassed and nothing's happening Um, because, I mean, I guess what you guys are saying is that she would have to report it. But, like, there, there are rules in place, but they're not helpful rules to protect anybody. They actually just punish people for saying kind of reasonable things and don't really Punish or control the people
0: who are being abused, right? And there's that one bill that we talked about at M Law, or we saw them presented at M Law, where written threats aren't considered domestic abuse, or written harassment doesn't fall under that guideline. Like that's also something where, you, in that case, you can you can report it all you want, but if if the courts aren't going to recognize it, that's a whole other issue. And I mean, I wasn't. I, I like, screenshotted the alert I got. I put it on Facebook, and one of my dad's friends was like, if you think you're being treated badly, like, well, like, I don't think I'm being treated badly. Like, my biggest concern when I saw that was, crap, I don't know the address of the 5K I'm running tomorrow. That's on Facebook. I'll have to, like, text somebody. You know? Right. It, but, because I, you know, I, I'm not a particularly prolific person on Facebook. Like, I'm not, you know. But... It it just makes you think like do should I like start like looking out for rape threats and comments and reporting everyone cuz maybe one day when I'm bored that's what I'm going to do. It's I don't. Yeah. What?
2: I don't really think that. I mean, I'm sure they do on some occasions, but
0: that's what I'm saying like sh- like should I join the forces of like actively like I see something ridiculous instead of thinking like oh somebody will take care of that. Like maybe I should just start reporting it.
2: I mean, you can try. What I'm saying is, I don't know how.
0: Yeah.
2: How effective that would be.
0: Understood. It may be futile, and it may just may just work to make me feel better. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> hmm. The well, same thing with Instagram has. There's like a whole campaign on Instagram about. Um, Like, showing nipples. I was going to say,
0: hashtag free the nipple.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Um, Oh, yeah, free the nipple. uh, People who post photos of, like, breastfeeding. Um, Their photos are taken down because they're obscene. Um, And,
0: I don't know. That's what our bodies are supposed to do.
2: But, like, also people in general just, I don't know, think it's double standard. Yeah, Um, yeah. That men can... Take or post topless photos, but women. Uh,
0: I uh, I took a break from because I couldn't watch. I just couldn't watch ten straight episodes of British royalty, so I took a break, and I watched uh, the Michelle Wolf comedy special. She's on the Daily Show. Um, yeah, she's so funny. She is, and she talks. She talks about that point, like women can't show their nipples on Instagram, and and like they can't show breastfeeding, they can't like, and that's like the intended purpose of nipples. Like, that is their function, yeah. right? To feed a human. And whether... And breastfeeding. Breastfeeding. Ridiculous. ridiculous. Yes. yes. And, but, you can have men, and I think she calls them, like, useless skin tags. Like, male <laughs> nipples. Yeah. And she's like, they're... Right. Like, so, it's... It's not funny. Like, at all. But, yeah, that's that's the... There's one account like And
1: it's also, just... like, my... my um... 11 year old daughter will tell you that it's not fair that in the summer when she's hot that she has to keep her shirt on and her brothers can take their shirts off. Oh, yeah. Like, and it's kind of true. I mean, it's like, it's, a, it's a, obviously a really, I mean, she's young, so it's a young girl's example, but it does suck when you're hot and you want to take your shirt off and you can't. It's crazy. It's like a weird, it's a, such a strange double standard. And when you try to explain it to a child, you realize just how strange it is.
0: Hmm.
1: Like, what's the reason? I don't have a reason. There is no reason.
2: The reason is because people who want to be senators will probably try and date her. (laughs) Yeah,
1: well,
0: maybe that's true. Uh, Is that, no, today's Monday, not Tuesday. Tomorrow. Yeah, it's tomorrow. Okay.
1: And you can be uh, fully dressed at the mall and they'll try and beat you anyway. <sighs> um, and I just read on Twitter that Steve Bannon's at a rally for him and he just said, lock her up. Did you hear that attorney general session?
0: It looks like Steve Bannon's next on that whole ring. Um, re- like whoever says lock her up winds up being locked up himself. So.
1: I really hope so. <laughs> it's, it's like, just, like the, the champ for little
0: the man. for the ghost of Robert Robert Mueller. Oh, that would be fantastic. Oh, alright. Well the one the one piece of good good in quotes news that, that um popped up on my alerts in the last, I don't know, thousand hours is that <laughs> <laughs> I even know when the last time I got good news was. And I'm, I want to say this correctly. So as of January 1st, 2018, transgender troops will be allowed to enlist in the military. And I think when it was reported, it was reported in a way that made it sound like the Pentagon was was going against Donald Trump. Like actively going against Donald Trump because the Supreme Court ruled the courts ruled something wasn't the Supreme Court, but the courts ruled something. And what it's actually happening was when Obama left office, there was policy in place where as of January 1st, 2018, transgender troops could could enlist. So basically the courts are blocking Trump's executive order. So the Pentagon isn't like saying, fuck you, Donald Trump. Like, the Pentagon is still following orders from Obama because the orders that come came from Trump are invalidated by the court. So it's not so much of an active middle finger to Trump as a Trump's lawyers couldn't prove something. Like, there's a lot of legalese in there, but, like, when the New York Times or someone first reported, it was like, oh, Pentagon goes against Trump. And it's like, no, Trump just lost in court again. I've lost count. So. It was, yeah, I mean, I
1: think I think that's what happens. Thank goodness, that's what happens when you try to come at things from a heavy-handed businessman standpoint, where you feel like you can just slam your hand on the desk and say, "Get it done."
0: Right. Okay. So this is the yeah, what do that. This is this is what the Washington Post said, um, which is. Better than what the New York Times said. So transgender people can enlist in military starting January first. Judge rules denying Trump administration requests to delay order. So Trump was trying to delay Obama's order, and the court said no. So win for Obama. But that was yeah. That was kind of it's kind of good news.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm. I have never in my life wanted to enlist in the military. Um, it's something I would never want to, to do that I'm glad I don't have to do and I'm in awe of people who want to do that and who are willing to do that and I just don't really understand why anyone cares who those people are.
0: No, I'm looking up what
1: color their skin is, what their gender identity is. I just don't understand.
0: Yeah, no, I don't know either. Um, I'm looking up because it's it's the transgender population actually. There's a there. A, I think the transgender person is more likely to want to serve in the military than a non transgender that person I think like I'm looking up the percentages and I'm totally screwing this up but like if you look at the breakdown of the military like there's just a large percentage of transgender people who want to serve in the military so I've I've never had the desire to serve in the military like and I think it's great that they want to so let them like I I don't get it uh, I don't yeah I don't get it either and I and I I just feel
1: like it's I mean this isn't a trans um, a piece, but just when it, when it, you know, don't ask, don't tell when it was being debated. I had friends who are military who are very conservative um, politically who said, like, everyone knows that there are gay people in the military and I already know who they are. They, this is just them being able to say it out loud when we're in uniform, basically. Yeah, um, so it's, it's like not a, it, I don't know, it seems like, maybe it seems like to outsiders is a dramatic change, but I don't think it is as dramatic a change. I mean, it's important, don't get me wrong, and, and it sends a, the right message um, to everybody that, that anybody can serve in the military who's willing and who's of the right age and who's committed and all those things. But I just, I don't, I don't know. It's made out to be this huge Thing that's gonna rock the military socially and I, I don't
0: think that's true yeah the what, the what the way it's put is transgender Americans are twice as likely to have served in the military so that's the best way to say it without me fumbling over myself but yeah I don't get yeah. it I don't understand it either I don't know. yeah you're
2: probably more likely to serve because it's like guaranteed career pretty much as long as you're not banned yeah, unemployment for transgender people is quite high. I never thought of it yeah.
0: that way. That's an interesting, yeah. And I mean, it's a it's. Well,
2: and
1: especially I don't I don't know what the statistics are. Maybe you do. If you wanted to see, just said that, but I I know like at bigger companies, um, where people are like in tech, where it's really specialized, where it's not easy to find replacement employees generally because it's, you know, a specialized field or whatever, those kinds of places are more likely to retain and and do things in the office, like create bathrooms that are non-gender specific or things like that to keep specific employees rather than, like, people who might be joining the um, armed forces at, like, kind of an infantry level, like where um, companies where you're maybe lower in the ranks or places where you're working that are like hourly wage places and stuff like that people are really looking for jobs in that um arena at that pay level in that area i i think it's harder for trans people also if they're in a in a role like that where they're not making as much money where it's not as high income a position
0: Yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, those types of companies seem to invest more in their employees overall, right? Like, Walmart versus, I don't know, pick a non-crappy large company. But, you know, like, so, I don't know, the military is also... They also get health care. They get health care, and if someone lives in, like, some town in the Midwest where maybe people aren't as accepting no offense to the midwest it's it's to a way get out. it's a way out you know it's a way it's a way out it's a way to see the world it's a way to to get health care get benefits when you get out go, get money for school like it's 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 a it's not a bad option if you want to get out of your small town i mean i have friends who who are in the military who on both sides of the spectrum. One it was her path to get out and get an education and do whatever. The other one she wanted to be educated in the military and so they're both officers but they went on different paths to be officers. It's something for everybody who wants to serve. Not me, but (laughs) Yeah. Not me. Like I I just
1: and and you know who else not? Donald Trump. Not Donald Trump. And he didn't just decide not to do it in a time that wasn't a war time. He dodged it with a fake excuse. And just the the audacity of someone like that to say that someone can't serve because of gender identity is just so audacious. I can't...
2: Well, people... I mean, him trying to, like, take the ability for people to serve away if they want to is ridiculous. But people in general who dodged a draft. I'm not going to say anything against them.
0: Well, for Vietnam, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. Oh, he
1: wasn't a conscientious objector, though.
0: (laughs) Oh, I know. No, but, I mean, doesn't Bill Clinton get, get accused of that? Didn't Bill Clinton run off to Canada or his mom shipped him off to Canada or something? Like, there, there are a few... A lot
1: of people, and a lot of people were pacifists and didn't want any part of it and, like, I just don't think that his, I'm not sure his
2: um, well, I, I'm not I, saying anything
1: I don't know I, I can't be 100% sure But I don't think it's the I don't
0: I don't think it's the same He said he had bone spurs a, He had bone spurs I mean a lot
2: of people did I mean I'm not defa- I don't want to yeah. defend him at all I think he's a piece of shit human
0: being Um, Just So we're all clear I, I, yeah. <laughs> saying, I don't think he dodged
2: the draft Because he was
1: against the Vietnam War Or the killing of Vietnamese
0: people Under Right Everyone had their own different He didn't Yeah I mean, and I—I feel like I've jinxed us because, like, I would um, in World War Two. Like, my grandfather built planes, and uh-huh. I think he went—I don't know where he went to Europe or he went to Europe or Japan. Which, like, yeah, that really narrows it down for World War Two. But, but <laughs> he went to one of those places. I think he went to Europe. Um, but I always thought it was cool how all of the women went to work and they built the aircraft and all that and like my grandmother was a nurse and you know and I'd be like oh like that would have been like a nice way to contribute if like the country was going to war. like I'm like I, that's the way I would prefer like to to like help people that way versus like jumping in the middle of it and like actively killing people um yeah. and I don't like, when I say cool, like a positive way to handle the situation, not like, yay, that seems like fun. No, right. And <laughs> so as long like as no one thinks I'm advocating, stuff. like, oh, that would have been awesome to experience. No, I just, <laughs> best of a bad right. situation.
1: No, I know what you mean. And I mean, World War II is way different than Vietnam, for sure. Yeah. Way less controversial. Our reasons for doing are are way less controversial.
0: And I never met my grandfather, which is why I have no idea where he went in World War II, in case anyone's like, wow, what the hell's wrong with her? Never met him. (laughs) (laughs) Died when my mom was 15. I don't (laughs) Um, but yeah. No, so, um, thank you to the courts today. I I got nothing else. Yeah.
1: Yeah, anybody, anybody who wants to, yeah, serve, or do any job, or do anything, should not be... To not be disallowed because of gender
2: identity. I'm not going to lie when they opened up combat roles to women. I was like, "Fuck." Fuck <laughs> this progression. Go back to when you were sexist. Because I'm not trying to get drafted. <laughs> right.
0: Like that's the that's the other thing. Like that when that happened, mm-hmm. I was like, "Go Ooh, back to being sexist." Are we getting drafted now? <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Peace out. Not 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 at all joining. Oh uh, yeah. Oh. Uh,
1: I think about my kids a lot, and
2: what's gonna happen with them. I'd peace out of this country. Yeah, I can't. Canada. Canada,
0: here we come. Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. So I'm not gonna say anything bad about people who dodge a drive. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care their reasons.
0: Yeah, I'm sure we can have a very detailed and interesting conversation about how we all feel about that and the different like levels of like, like I agree, I I'm with you, right? Like I, I'm totally with you. But then that also put other people at a huge disadvantage and like that that's whole true.
2: yeah. That's so
0: true. there there are layers to it, but like so
1: it's, it, yeah, it's kind of like when we talk about like if abortion became illegal in this country and women of means
0: would be able to leave to get an abortion and women who are poor wouldn't be able to. Yeah. Or I'm going to pay my doctor in cash. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same, same thing. So while I was away this week, the Alyssa's had the pleasure of interviewing our friend Rachel. um, And she's going to talk about the criminal criminalization of trauma efforts um, so here's that interview. I'm Alyssa. I'm Alyssa, and I'm not Alyssa.
2: And so we're here with our friend Rachel. Uh, you want to introduce yourself, Rachel? Sure. Tell us who you are? And what you do? Great, my name is
3: Rachel Motley, and I actually work at National Now as a policy and lobbying specialist with our National Action Campaigns, but I'm here tonight just in the capacity of an activist, not as a representative of National Now, um, but we're talking about some of our campaigns and some of the things that National is working
2: on. Today is December 14th, and uh, National Now announced a brand new campaign that Rachel's been working on. Do you want to talk about that, what the name is and what it's going to do? Sure. So the name of our campaign
3: is Enough is Enough. And it is in response to um, the culture of sexual assault and harassment. And the campaign really aims to not only discuss who did what to whom, but how to develop these concrete solutions to really address the systemic issue of sexual assault and harassment. Um, And the main focus of our campaign is to kind of move beyond kind of the media's narrative of focusing on these famous, wealthy, predominantly white women. And even though those stories are very valid, and I'm glad they're coming to light, our campaign also wants to highlight the stories of hotel workers, restaurant workers, those in industries that might not be um, highlighted by the media or central to the current narrative, but they really should be. Um, So coming up with solutions for those sectors
2: as well. Um, so, what um, actions or activities, events, does National ha- Now have plans um, for, with regards to this campaign? Is there anything coming up where uh, chapters and, and activists can get involved? Great. So, we are planning a summit, an Enough is Enough
3: Summit, in order uh, to come up with real viable solutions. For the to uh, dismantle the culture of sexual assault and harassment. And we're inviting thought leaders um, in this area to come and develop a product at the end of the summit um, that has a list of solutions that we'll bring to lawmakers and other um, change makers in order to address this um, this culture in a productive way. Cool. And that'll be in February.
2: So last episode, um, we released... Uh, the audio from our reproductive rights event. Um, Tony, national now president, was one of the panelists. Um, But one of our other panelists, Chelsea Yarbrough, she was from NARAL, Pro-Choice, Maryland. Um, She talked a lot about what struggles incarcerated women face in terms of reproductive rights. Are you working on anything uh, in particular related to incarcerated women? And if so, can you explain what? Um,
3: So one of the the most important pieces of legislation that's been introduced that really addresses the way that women are treated in our prison system is the Dignity for Incarcerated Women Act. And this seeks to do a lot of things um, to end shackling of pregnant women, to provide um, free and quality um, sanitary products like tampons and pads, to increase um, the amount of visitation allowed for mothers in jail, so they're able to have um, a relationship with their children. Um, and things along this line to really make sure that the prison system is not forgetting women, specifically women of color, in jails and prisons. Um, And one way that you can get involved is by calling your senator to ask that they vote yes and support the Dignity for Incarcerated Women Act. It's currently in the Senate Judiciary Committee, so it's uh, vital that you call these senators and really make your voice heard. And on the now.org website, we have um, a toolkit to help you do so on their end the criminalization of trauma campaign.
4: So, um, one of the things Chelsea was mentioning at our um, panel was that getting laws enacted is really only half the battle mm-hmm. because they, like NARAL Pro Choice Maryland, knows that there are places in Maryland where even though you're not allowed to shackle a pregnant woman while happens. she's in labor, it still happens. Mm-hmm. So, are there ways for um even if you part of the piece of living in montgomery county maryland is that we're so lucky things for us are there's room to improve all the time but we generally feel so lucky for the way things are in our county but are there ways for local activists to um make sure that we're being vigilant that these laws are actually being enforced once they're passed like is that something is that a way to get involved, or is there a way to get involved on that?
1: That's a great
3: question. Something I'm definitely not, I wouldn't consider myself an expert in, but I think there are opportunities for you to go to these prisons and to, to speak with formerly incarcerated women about their experiences um, and making sure that you're kind of aware of what they've gone through. Because uh, I think sometimes if you if you haven't been through this experience, you can kind of sit back and not really understand um, from their perspective. So speaking with incarcerated women, but also um, making sure that you're communicating with law enforcement and with um, those officials in your community to make sure that this is not happening. So you, that's a great point that enforcement really is key.
4: Yeah. I, I, I feel like I've said this on the pod before, but I know someone who's a doctor for Planned Parenthood, mm-hmm. and she was performing an abortion on a woman who was incarcerated who had been impregnated by an employee of the prison where she was being, where she was incarcerated. Mm -hmm. Um, And they wanted her to, uh, they wanted the woman to remain shackled for the procedure. And this woman who I knew was a doctor is physically not a big woman. Mm -hmm. And there were several armed men (laughs) telling her that the woman was gonna stay shackled. And she had to kick them out of the room and it, 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 I can't imagine. In that moment, I guess you just have some sort of ins- divine inspiration that sure. gives you the courage to do that. But I, I do think it's important to think about the women, the doctors who might have to enforce these laws, and like, mm-hmm. that's a great idea to go talk to, to just go and make yourself a presence and be known yeah. as a, as a citizen. Because yeah, it's uh, no, it's, it's really
3: terrifying. awful and inhumane. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there is guidance out now from the Department of Justice that also um, mandates that there's no shackling, but enforcement mm-hmm. is such a big yeah. key. And having it codified in different ways and different laws really helps to kind of broaden that scope and make sure that happens.
4: Mm-hmm. It's dehumanizing too, right? And like yeah. that's how they keep that they keep us at a distance from women who are incarcerated is by dehumanizing them mm-hmm. to us, so that we don't feel that because. M- A lot of, if if you're a woman who has given birth, you probably feel a lot of empathy to another woman who is giving birth. Sure, And it's it's that level, yeah. And
3: right now the policies in prison systems are really um, not geared towards women because they're seen as a smaller sliver of the population or the prison population, which is true, but they're still there, right? So you wanna make sure that they're being treated and their needs are being addressed adequately.
4: Yeah. That's a really good point. I think there's so much energy right now Mm -hmm. with everybody. Everybody's energetic and and ready to do more work than they've done in the past. And I think there are a lot of young women I I know in my own extended family, a lot of young, white, college-educated women who live in nice neighborhoods in like Brooklyn or DC who want to help, but just, getting involved in the right ways and figuring out the, the best ways to be helpful. Um, it, it's not, I don't feel like it's easy for, well, maybe it is easy if they're not doing it, but I don't feel like it's easy for them to giving them the benefit of the doubt to figure out the best ways that they can be helpful. Mm-hmm. What do you think young people have to offer, particularly, that other people might not have to offer that they could get, you know, they could be the most effective?
3: Sure. No, that's a great point. And I think now there's so many different ways to organize and mobilize, and especially in the Trump era, so many organizations have made tools and resources really available for activists. It's just a matter of kind of finding that and seeing where you fit into that broader landscape. Um, One great way to um, make change, whether it be legislative or in your community, is through social media. And I think sometimes people don't really see the power of that. Um, But really, you're able to speak to such a broad audience about issues and make people aware of issues maybe that um, really impact you and the country, state, or even local community. Um, So that's one great way. And I think that's something that millennials really do have a hold of is social media. So that's a way that we can keep pushing forward um, and pushing for change. Um, I'd also suggest um, looking to your community to see um, what groups are available and kind of there's power in numbers, um, so finding like-minded people in your area, and if there's not a group, maybe even starting a now chapter or another organization that really um, pushes for
4: change. As a young woman, yep, who are you excited about in the political world right now? Oh,
2: that is exciting! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never heard you make that noise.
3: That's <laughs> my <laughs> so excited noise. I am so I outside of my day job which is political in nature i'm a political junkie i love reading about politics watching the news watching politics Uh, i love kamala harris everyone loves her but i think she's wonderful um she really speaks to issues that are bold and brave and i don't think that's just for uh, appearances or to bring in the right kind of support i really do think she cares um, and is a bright and bold leader. Elizabeth Warren. Everyone loves Elizabeth Warren, too. But I extra love her. I think she's <laughs> wonderful. I remember when I was in, I think it was early in college, um, when she won in Massachusetts. I just remember feeling so energized um, about what politics could really be. And I think she's that kind of leader. Let me think. Other women. I'm going to think of, like, 20 tomorrow.
4: You already named one of our picks for 2020 that we time. Who? <laughs> <And> Kamala. Yeah. <laughs>
2: She's great. I already know who I'm voting for. I don't care if they were we vote them. for the,
4: we vote for the Gillibrand Harris or Harris Gillibrand yes. ticket Jill on Brand the podcast. Is great, and yeah. she's Gillibrand's
2: <laughs> really
3: been fearless in talking about sexual assault and harassment, and the moment has kind of kind finally kind of caught up to her in a way. Yeah, she's been talking about it for years. For years, yeah. Yeah. and people haven't listened to her, so I'm really glad that she's getting um, kind of the the microphone to speak about this issue because um, she's really an authority in this. Um, been really brave and trailblazing on this issue. So I think um, she also would be a great 2020
4: pick. Yeah. I like how she's not afraid to say she's made mistakes. That's my favorite thing about her. Mm -hmm. When Mm -hmm. she gets interviewed about her political past, yeah, that she's not afraid to say, like, no, that was really totally wrong. (laughs) I should not have thought that. Yeah, that's a good point. I
2: really would like her to name... The person, she wrote in her book, like, years ago, mm-hmm. uh, that a man in Congress sexually harassed her. And I want to know who it is now. I wonder if it's Al Franken. That'd be, like... Or John yeah. Conyers. Or who it, who is it?
3: Yeah. I read some there. There's, like, they said there's, like, 40 yeah men yeah. in Congress that are, like, on the limbo. <laughs> <Like someone laughs> on could the list. Could you imagine, like... And it really, I don't, I'm not saying this that I feel sorry for them in any way. They should be on edge. But that, like, kind of limbo of being kind of in, in fear of someone's going to come forward. And I think that really um, does kind of influence the culture, right? People are afraid that they'll lose their jobs or be kind of implicated in these things. So I think it's a good thing, even though that might not be a very nice thing to say. They're kind of waiting in the wings in fear.
4: They should just go. If they know they've done yeah. it, they should just be really... like, it's coming anyway, yeah. so I'm going to go. you see
2: that guy, Morgan Spurlock? Yeah. He wrote, uh, he um, is a documentary that film. That was today, guy. right? Yeah. Yeah. He, like, super oh, supersized, super-sized me. me. I love that documentary. Yeah, he wrote, um, like, a post that was just basically, like, admitting to things that he's done. Wow. Um, He... uh, Not during Super Size Me, because one of the side
4: effects of eating all that McDonald's was that he couldn't perform. Remember that? Um, I think I
3: watched it when I was in the fourth grade or something, so I probably uh, went right over my head. like, (laughs) you're younger than I am. I
2: know. Um, (laughs) Damn it. No, he mentioned something um, about how, like, I think it was when he was in college. Mm -hmm. Um, He... The way he remembers is he hooked up with a woman, um, but then she said that he raped her. um, And he was, and it was, like, basically, like, I'm complicit. Which is an interesting thing for somebody to admit, like, people don't typically do that. But then also, like, I, I don't know, I saw people commenting about, like, wow, so brave for doing that, blah, blah, blah. But then also people are like, we're supposed to congratulate this guy now because...
4: Or maybe uh, there's more, and he's just saying that so that yeah it doesn't... Maybe he's getting ahead of a story that we don't even know right. is coming. Maybe,
3: maybe this woman um, who he assaulted was going to come forward anyway, so he's, like, good ahead of the news cycle, Then people are falling for it.
2: Well, she kind of... Are, I mean, not, not when he was, like, famous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but basically, right, yeah. she... He learned... That she felt that the situation was rape, um, because she wrote a short story for one of her English classes mm-hmm. and uh, named him in the story um, as the person who raped her, and uh, he heard about it from one of his friends at in school. Wow. So. I don't know. I don't know how I f- I, I, I like feel kind of grossed out by the whole thing. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's like it's nuanced, but. I guess it's good that he admitted that he did this, but he still did it, right? So we shouldn't be patting yeah. him on the back.
2: I mean, he wrote in a way like we have to do better, blah blah blah. But then still, it's like hmm, yeah. so you rape someone, then yeah. um, you don't yeah. really get to have a voice anymore. I'll have to read that. I
3: haven't. <laughs> I haven't even heard of it until you mentioned it. But perhaps yeah. you were at work all day. Perhaps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I read something interesting the other day. It was I don't know if it was New York Times. I don't remember, but it was dissecting like what we want in an apology. Because when and this was in reaction to Al Franken's initial, um, not really. It wasn't even an apology. I can't even say. Yeah, it was. I guess uh, his just response. It wasn't an apology, and how it was really inadequate. But what is an adequate apology? Is it something like this director guy and admitting fully what he did and saying we need to do better? But it's still. I don't know. I don't know what a satisfactory apology or what a satisfactory um, consequence.
4: consequence yeah um, is for this. Yeah, oh, no, we, no. We, we talked about it a little bit with, um, actually with the um, people from Hollywood now, I feel like was when we were oh, talking yeah. about we it. Yeah, we did. That's yeah, and, and Franken had just, the Franken stuff had just happened, yeah. and we kind of all agreed that he doesn't have to, like, be banished forever from... Everything, but he doesn't get to have his position of power anymore. That's absolutely. for sure. Like, <laughs> like absolutely, yeah. I don't know. See, and I don't even think he'll leave public life. I think he can eventually. He can come back to public life, and he can do good work, and he can talk about this specifically, and he can. Mm-hmm. I I think there's a way to do it, but I I already thought he should step down, and then when he gave that like indignant, unapologetic speech, yeah, I was like, now really. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was already, I already thought you should do it, but I was, my heart was broken and it was like, I felt like you had betrayed everybody, you know? I felt sad about it. Mm-hmm. And then when he gave that floor speech, I was like, nope, just bye. Yeah. That was not an apology at all. Yeah, but always awesome. people just
2: get away with just apologizing and nothing happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, can you imagine if you murdered someone and you were just like, right,
3: sorry. And I guess, like, what does, what does
4: having a consequence look like though like do we want people to go to jail right that's the problem that's, yeah. that's the problem too As a progressive right you're like you're against mass incarceration yeah but also why do why does a black guy have to sit in jail for having pot yeah and Al Franken gets to go like roll around in his money like yeah. have a life no, it's I not fair really it's point. hard
3: yeah it's, it's a hard balance to strike and you know I just I feel like I talk myself in circles yeah and I think, like, some people um, think that, like, settlements or money is the way to get justice, but others think going to court is justice. And I think it's up to the person, the survivor, or the victim to kind of determine what justice looks like for them. Um, so it's hard as an advocate to kind of step back and come up with these wholesale solutions, right? Because it's not the same for everyone. No situation is the same.
4: right. Well, and it's, all, it's also that, I don't know, I, I, we've talked about this on the pod before, but like really good women whom I love
1: mm-hmm.
4: on Facebook saying things like, that's not harassment. I've been raped. I've been, like yeah. comparing their own experience with someone else's as if that's how it is. As if yeah. it's, an, it's a subjective trauma that happens to somebody rather than each one as an isolated terrible incident that's on your own scale of what's happened to you in your own life and i i think that's i i understand the impulse but i also think it's a shitty one no
3: i agree and i think sometimes people's inclination to bring it back to themselves all the time is also pretty unhealthy right because your experiences even if you have been sexually harassed or assaulted which is terrible are not the same as another person who might have had um a similar or might have had that experience as well, yeah, so I think um, really the instinct should be just to listen and to to be there for the survivors that you know, as opposed to kind of projecting yourself onto them. Yeah, what are things that you all are working on? Back, honey now.
4: Why don't I mean, we know what we want to work on. We're meeting with um, some county council members in the next. We're meeting with one on Monday, another one right after the new year talk about what we should uh what we should be putting on our legislative agenda what we think that great yeah and we went to a meeting so we know kind of the um maryland women's legislative agenda so we know what is going to come into the assembly so Mm like our biggest thing is or everybody's biggest thing is this hb1 which is going to be um parental rights for rapists which is um is they still have
2: in the state of Maryland. Wow. It's one of the seven states. Wow. It's been Which to the for floor. for Maryland it's like.
4: It's crazy. It's been to the floor was... nine times. It's not gotten out of. Or it's, I mean, sorry. It's, so, been, it's been up nine times and it's not gotten out of committee.
3: Really? Mm-hmm. I think that would just be kind of a. I wonder like what's stopping them from progressing the bill. Because it kind of seems like a no-brainer to me. There's a, a, a me.
4: specific congressman who was keeping it in a drawer for a while.
3: I wonder. but Like, like literally in a like, drawer. Like literally in a
4: drawer wouldn't let it what? out of committee.
3: Yeah. I always like. I always think of like what the push factors are. So is there like a lobbyist somewhere out there who's like really like advocating for this? Pro goal or, mm-hmm. I know, but it's like exactly. It's not like it's pro oil or pro guns. Like there's yeah. nothing. Well, in the worst is that their
4: argument is a feminist. They try to make a a not feminist. It's not a feminist argument. But they try sure. to pretend like they're protecting women. You oh. won't have the benefits of child support if um. you make him relinquish his rights. We can't. We can't make these women who've been raped then pay for a baby all by themselves just so that we can uphold this feminist legislation. That's what—that's actually what they did with um, voter, like automatic voter registration mm-hmm. in Montgomery County, or in excuse me, in the state of Maryland. One of the arguments they used, the Republicans used to keep that from happening, was, mm-hmm. but then domestic violence victims mm-hmm. are giving their personal information and address out to another entity mm-hmm. and they could be more easily tracked down. so it's like super evil they're not yeah. just trying to forward their agenda they're yeah. trying to twist it so that it's they're acting as if they're trying to suppressing women. the vote and giving mm-hmm. ra- you know rapists parental rights is protecting women
3: yeah and that also confuses constituents who might not have time to really like dig through this issue and read every news article or the bill itself you know they just mm-hmm. hear what their lawmakers have to say and, and feel that they can trust that, which one should be able to feel,
2: right? I think um, also one of the, at least one of the conservative people against this um, particular piece of legislation mm-hmm. is used the, like, false claims thing. So, like, you oh. potentially could be taking away a child from somebody who's not really a rapist or something.
3: I mean, the odds of that happening must be so, so slim. Yes. That I mean, could you imagine someone, th- what would they gain? Someone, a woman reporting that, or anyone who's been through this reporting that?
4: Right, um, nothing. I mean, the same nothing. thing anybody would gain from reporting a false crime, and REAP is not reported falsely any more than any other crime is reported falsely. Like, we sure. don't worry about someone saying... I someone falsely reporting I've been robbed. Someone's been killed. Like we don't worry about any of that. We only specifically worry about this because we just don't trust women.
2: Yep. Hi. No. Agreed. Since you brought up like reading about legislation and articles and um, knowing what's in bills, Mm -hmm. um, do you have any tips for how to read legislation so people aren't deceived by like? titles that sound good sure um but really are harmful so we're lucky the
3: work i do is predominantly on a federal level so i'm really lucky that i have a lot of great news sources the new york times wall street journal even vox and other outlets really take the time to dissect legislation and get that information out to constituents so on my end i'm lucky that i do have those resources but on a state level um, things kind of fly under the radar so media might not pick up on a bill like hb1 um, even though that's something they, I think, should be
4: reporting on. Samantha B actually um, talked about Maryland. She, like, railed yeah. against Maryland. but
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, She made fun of us exciting.
4: for still having that one. Oh, that's great. Like, like, <laughs>
3: Connie, it's, it's interesting. It's a place to get information now, which is really great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would recommend, um, I'm not sure the actual website of Maryland's state legislature, but you can go into that database and search bills themselves or even if Your specific representative, you're interested in seeing what they're introducing. You can search them and then find bills that they've introduced and just skimming that bill and seeing how it would impact you. And that's really the easiest way on a state level. Um, I'm not sure if you all have any tips working in state legislatures.
4: Last week, we went over um, all the proposals from MLA, which are basically MLA is a chance for... Anybody who has a bill that relates to women. Mm-hmm. Maryland legislative agenda for, for women. For women, yeah. That anybody that's, that's fabulous. Yeah. They get like two minutes mm-hmm. in front of the group to you get a packet with all the detailed information about the bill. Mm-hmm. And then they pitch get pitch their bill. They get two minutes to pitch their bill. And then wow. everybody who's a member can vote on which like six or so MLA will take up as their personal as the the group's personal causes mm-hmm. to lobby for. In, in, to use their power to lobby for um so we went over all the bills that were brought up because now in other other organizations like that we vote like we all voted um for our favorites from the, for what we thought in law should take up mm-hmm. but anything that they don't that's still related to women that we're interested in or that helps the women in our county those bills are still going to exist we can still take those yeah take those up so it's has a Emla has a really good if you're, you know, if you're interested in women's issues, has a really good way of just sorting through everything that's going to come through because our assembly session is really short, 90 mm-hmm. days. Yeah. Um so it's intense and short. So sure. reading all the bills. You know, it, it's 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 good that we have the like the black caucus and the Latino caucus and the women's caucus and the state assembly because they can kind of divvy up to mm-hmm. things of interest for you based on, you wow. know, your, your biggest cause of concern. And then you can, they have um, everyone has lobby nights in Annapolis to go um, lobby for what they are most interested in. Or...
2: That is awesome. Yeah. yeah, And what's good about M-Law if you're interested in, in women's um, rights and, and legislation that directly impacts women, you um, Anyone can can become a member. Um, you don't mm-hmm. have to belong to an organization. Um, you can go as, as an individual to their co- annual conference um, and hear about all the legislation and then get to vote on what's important to you personally.
4: And neither wow. the neither the meeting nor the, members, the voting membership is cost prohibitive, really. Like yeah. Sometimes when we say join stuff, I think people are like, well, how much does that cost? Sure. <laughs> I yeah. don't remember, but it's not.
2: I think it was forty dollars. Yeah, it was not cost Wow. So,
4: and then you can be a part of picking what they take up to fight for.
2: Yeah. However, if forty dollars is too much for mm-hmm. you, now, now membership is thirty-five, and we also have sliding scale uh, membership. So, if thirty-five is too much for you, uh, for whatever reason, you can join for less, and you can join our chapter at mcmdnow.org/Join.
3: Wow, that's a great way to weasel that bad boy in. <laughs> just jams
2: it in. Yeah, gotta give us, gotta plug ourselves when possible.
3: I know you were we were just talking about how Maryland, there's been like some crappy laws down the pike, but Maryland sounds so cool compared to Ohio. Not that I love Ohio, I'm an Ohioan at heart, but our state legislature,
2: it was we like blow Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> when I have to drive through it on my way to. Clever. The <laughs> um, as somebody who. Mm-hmm. is from Maryland, lives in Maryland, but also lived in Ohio for... Four years. Four years. I can confirm Maryland is much
3: cool. <laughs> it's so cool. And not, it's not even speaking to the people or anything about the cultures. When I, I interned for Planned Parenthood in college, and I remember being up at the state capitol like once a week because there was another horrible bill for women coming through. Um, Ohio introduced the six heartbeat, six-week yeah. Yeah. heartbeat ban, and they use that kind of as a diversion to pass the twenty-week abortion ban. Um, so advocates in Ohio are pretty disappointed about that. And that was John Kasich, like, yeah. Right? Kasich. And that's what kills yeah. me. He
2: gets labeled as a moderate. Kasich is
3: not a moderate. People in Ohio are like, "What are you talking about?" He might be moderate on like fiscal issues, budget, whatever, but women's issues, he's super far right. So like when they're saying that he's a moderate, they're really only looking at the men who are going to be advantaged by his policies. Yeah. Not the women who are be, going to be like kind of duped into voting for him, honestly. Not a Kasich fan.
2: No. Yeah. Not a Kasich fan. It, it, when he got as far as he did in the election mm-hmm. last year, um, I heard a lot of people I know mm-hmm. who were, are liberal and, and progressive. Mm-hmm. Um, they would watch the Republican debates and, um, like post on facebook and stuff like john Kasich's a cool guy like no. if i were gonna vote for any of them i would vote for john Kasich. Well, because like,
4: you have he's... like bags of poo on fire
2: <laughs> yeah and but... one guy who's just a bag of poo
4: not on fire and they're like oh that he's bag of poo is not fabulous. on fire i'm gonna go with that guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> like... but
2: like i don't know it was just like i'd be like screaming at my computer like he's not moderate no no definitely not and i think it... that's Partially because
3: media just enforces a narrative that... Yeah, they definitely did. ...that it, it kind of ignored women, honestly. Kind of like how 2016 did, just generally, but... Yeah,
2: they never asked about abortion once in any debate. Yeah. Except for, I think, a Republican one. They asked, I think, one. And the, the Republican one is just, how extreme are your views on abortion?
3: It's like, yeah. trying to outdo one another... Wild.
2: Thank you so much, Rachel, for coming on our podcast. You're
3: welcome. It was great speaking with you.
2: Yes, I'm sure we'll talk again soon.
4: Yes.
2: <laughs> Someday when you're Kamala Harris's
4: campaign manager, <laughs> can you invite me to the victory party? Of course. Yeah.
3: All podcast, podcast listeners are also invited. <laughs> Get ready. Write it down. Party at
2: Rachel's for Kamala. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Yeah. Yeah. Good
4: night good good day. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye.
2: All right. Before we go, we have a woman of the week. This week's woman of the week is Sister Rosetta Tharp, who it was recently announced will be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame along with another awesome woman, Nina Simone. Sister Rosetta was a musical pioneer performing both gospel and secular music in her own signature sound. She's known as the godmother of rock and roll, and her music has been cited as an inspiration by people from Elvis Presley, to Chuck Berry, to Johnny Cash, to Bob Dylan, and to one of my personal feminist favorites, Miranda Lambert. Uh, Sister Rosetta was born in Arkansas in 1915. She started playing guitar at age four, and started performing gospel at age six, when she began touring with her mom who was a gospel musician and preacher. She eventually became gospel's first superstar. She was an expert guitar player and was known for her distinct and superb picking style. If you listen to Chuck Berry's music you can definitely hear the influence Sister Rosetta had on his guitar playing. Even today you still don't really see too many women shredding it on the electric guitar at least in comparison to the number of men in the male-dominated music industry, but Sister Rosetta was out there doing it decades ago. She, a black woman, invited white groups to perform with her, and she was one of the first musicians to desegregate their performances. In 1938, she was signed to a record deal with Decca Records. That same year, she released her first single called Rock Me, That song launched her into stardom outside of the gospel world. She was extremely popular during the 1940s and 50s. She'd sell out stadiums on a regular basis. In 1947, she basically discovered Little Richard and invited him to perform on stage with her. She was a queer woman and had open, or at least open secret, relationships with both men and women. That was a big deal back then, especially to LGBTQIA+, fans, and audience members. She was believed to have been in a relationship with Marie Knight, who she performed and recorded music with throughout the 1940s. She was also married a number of times to men. She and her third husband got married in front of a crowd of 25,000 people at one of her shows in D.C., During the 1960s, her popularity kind of waned as musical tastes changed, I guess. However, she continued performing until she died of a stroke in 1973. She was posthumously honored with a stamp in 1998. And of her recent induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame under the Influences category, the Rock Hall called her, quote, one of the essential figures in the history of rock and roll, And said, quote, no one deserves more to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So congratulations to Sister Rosetta for finally getting your due and being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Same goes to Nina Simone, uh, both very awesome women and awesome musicians. And we'll post a uh, video uh, of Sister Rosetta on our page of the website. So definitely check that out after you listen to the podcast. You can go to our website at MC for Montgomery County, MD for Maryland, NOW for National Organization for Women, mcmdnow.org. If you type in mcmdnow.org slash 52women, you'll see um, all the episodes we have. Um, The one at the very top will be the most recent one. Click on it. You'll be able to see all the sources that we post for everything we talk about, as usual, plus also the video. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, also at MCMDNow. We'll catch you next week. Bye!